Last night in Seattle, the police retreated and surrendered the East police precinct to the far left. They now have an area they call the Capitol Hill Free Zone, claiming it is autonomous from the rest of the city. The police are trying to save face, in my opinion, saying that this is a de-escalation tactic and they've put fire retardant in the building so they can't actually burn it down. But the activists say that's not true. They left the door unlocked and they've taken over the whole area, seven block, a seven city block radius. They've now said that they've taken up arms and there's rumors circulating that there are going to be armed far leftists guarding the barricades in what they call the Capitol Hill free zone. Now, this is a bit disconcerting. But there is kind of a lighter side to it because it really does look like these people are just LARPing, live action role play. They're referring to the police as the regime, and it seems all just very, very silly. But you know what? I'm not going to be too optimistic. Just because these people seem stupid doesn't mean that they're not dangerous. In fact, they are quite dangerous. And this has been an escalation of what we've seen happening over the past several years. Activists have repeatedly tried taking over certain areas of the city and Seattle keeps giving in and failing. And now we're seeing in Fort Worth, they're dropping all charges against those arrested for rioting. In New York City, they're refusing to charge people who are arrested for protesting. Now, in regards to the protest, as I've stated before, you have a right to protest. So that one I kind of shrug at. But the real issue is the disp- is the uh, unequal treatment, the unequal treatment of people under the law. Churchgoers are being fined. Churches aren't, aren't allowed to hold uh, worship ceremonies. So you now have the government actively supporting one ideology while restricting another. That you cannot do. There is some lighter news in all of this. While we are seeing some jurisdictions bow down in Minneapolis, some moron who kicked a barrel into the fire at the, uh, at the third precinct, they caught him. And the look on his face and his mugshot, well, you're going to laugh when you see it. But it's really sad, man. I know some people might laugh and say, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. But I looked up this guy's Facebook profile and he was just some young, dumb, you know, dude who was watching the news and reading all about this stuff. He went out for a protest that got too rowdy. He kicked a few barrels Now his life is over and he is facing federal charges. I really do feel like we're seeing a a worrisome escalation in the propaganda and the tactics being used by the far left. So I want to make sure I make this clear. While we may laugh at these people for LARPing, for having no idea what's really going on, there comes a point when the government start bowing down out of fear and then the LARP becomes real life. Don't underestimate these lunatics when they take up arms and start barricading off streets in U.S. cities. Now, I do believe the National Guard and the military could come and crush these in a a moment's notice. That's why it's worrisome they're allowed to keep growing. And it's also worrisome that there are businesses here that are being told to disaffiliate. This is authoritarianism. And the fact that they're allowing it to me is rather shocking. But let's get started with the first story. Quote, they've given us the precinct. Seattle police backs away and protesters take back pine. Now, this story is loaded with framing devices that I want to give you my breakdown on. But ultimately, all I can really tell you is do your research on this one. If you trust me, if you think my assessment, it makes sense. Well, there you go. But at any rate, you got to read more sources because I'm going to give you my personal breakdown of how they're trying to frame things. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give. There is also a P.O. box to send stuff, but the best thing you can do is share this video. I'm competing with all these big mainstream media companies that get propped up and put on the front page of YouTube. I don't get that luxury. I don't have a special section like they do, and they, they slant recommendations in their favor. 
But one thing I do have is your support. So if you just share the video, you know the spiel. It really, really does help. Otherwise, if you just want to watch, subscribe, like, hit the notification bell. Let's read. From KUOW.org. The Seattle Police Department announced Monday afternoon that the barricade near the East Precinct where officers have used pepper spray, tear gas, and flashbang grenades on demonstrators for eight days would be removed. During a press briefing, Police Chief Carmen Best said Seattle police would try something new. We are not going to evacuate or abandon the East Precinct, she said. We will be hardening the East Precinct facility by boarding up the exterior windows and applying fire retardant to the building exterior and installing fencing. Best said demonstrators should be able to walk freely around Capitol Hill. This is an exercise in trust and de-escalation. On Monday evening, a protester addressed the crowd, quote, they've given us the precinct and we've got to be smart and we have to work together and we have to remain peaceful and we have to remain strong. This is the message that we are trying to deliver, that if they give us the precinct, we're not going to try to destroy it. We're not going to do what they want us to do. We're not going to do what they want us to do. We're going to take care of it because this is our street. The change comes after more than 12,000 complaints about, po- about the police response to the most, mostly peaceful demonstrations. Seattle police has said officers have, been, have had to use pepper spray, tear gas, and flashbangs because demonstrators had hurled bottles, rocks, and used incendiary devices against the police. Now, in my experience in the, in the Northwest and the West of this country, that is an extremely common tactic from Antifa. Low-grade fireworks, mortar shell-type explosives, and improvised explosives made from plastic bottles. I've seen all of these things. But I'll tell you this right now. They're claiming they didn't abandon the police department. Semantics. They literally did. And according to somebody who was live streaming on the scene, they didn't put any fire retardant up. So, you know, look, you can look at it different ways. Maybe the police have lost. Maybe that's really what it is. I think what we're seeing now is the complete demoralization of police. In uh, New York, for instance, they put up in each borough, they're going to put up a Black Lives Matter Avenue representing the protests and the rioters. They're dropping charges against these people in many jurisdictions. And the police are now being told straight up, we're not going to support you on this one. To make it worse, in New York City, we have a big update, and I'll get to the story in a second. The cop who shoved one of the protesters is facing charges. Now, I honestly think he does deserve some kind of reprimand or charge for shoving this woman. I don't know if you saw the video, but she's like yelling at him and then he just shoves her and she falls down. He's going to get charged for that. That's fine, right? However, if the, if the district attorney isn't going to be prosecuting these protesters, what do you think the police are going to think when they're like, you mean to tell me that I face charges and they don't, that they can get in my face and scream and I can't do anything about it. And even if we arrest them for breaking the law, they will just be released. That will bring about demoralization. But let's read more because this gets interesting. They say city council members on Monday said it was unclear how many of these had actually been used, citing evidence of one candle thrown. Many people are also calling for defunding the department. Later in the afternoon, Omari Salisbury depicted the scene on his live stream he described it as a view we haven't seen for eight days. Salisbury, a journalist, said that earlier in the day, Seattle police were building a fence across Pine Street. A few hours later, they stopped working on the fence and began moving out of the East Precinct. We saw moving trucks in and out, officers moving bags. I know that the city is calling it a reduction in footprint. It's impossible for me to say there's nobody in this building, but I don't think there's anybody home. He said they had had expected a fireproofing foam to be sprayed onto the East Precinct, but that no such fireproofing appears to have to have happened. He said Pine Street for the first time in eight days is open. But lest anyone feel that the city would sleep easy tonight, 
Salisbury said that many people were wearing bulletproof vests because of credible threats made from white supremacists. The threats felt much more real after the shooting on Sunday when a 31-year-old Nicholas Fernandez sped his car into the crowd and shot a man, 27, uh, 27-year-old Daniel, uh, Daniel Gregory. Gregory was in satis- uh, satisfactory condition at Harborview. As the police left, the protesters claimed the area and barricaded it themselves. We are seeing quite a few bulletproof vests out here, Salisbury said. A lot of protesters out here before not armed who are now armed. It's a different situation. And then he signed off to get a bulletproof vest for himself. Around 10 p.m., two other live streams showed protesters wearing body armor. One protester called for people with guns and know-how to go to the barricades in case there was a threat from white supremacists known as the Proud Boys. Let's break down some of this framing. A car did not speed toward the crowd and then, you know, just randomly shoot somebody. A, uh, a man who is a Latino turned down the street. People started throwing things at his vehicle. He sped up a little bit before slowing down, allowing protesters to run up to his car and bang on it. A group of protesters are trying to pop open his passenger side door. Another man reaches in and punches him in the face face by his own admission. Fernandez then reached for his firearm and shot the man in the arm, exited the vehicle after it stalled and turned himself into the police. Some accounts say that the man reaching into the vehicle, punching him was actually trying to grab the weapon. I don't think that matters. What matters is by any reasonable framing, this guy was not charging in to go after a protest. It seems to me that these far left extremists are using the Proud Boys as an excuse to take up arms because they don't want to say they're going up against the police. They have the police precinct. The police have abandoned it. They said they didn't. Semantics. They all left and the protesters claimed the area. And we have, an Im- we have a map of the area where they've made some rather silly and crude drawings, which you will find, in my opinion, quite hilarious. First, here's an image from one of the entrances of the Capitol Hill free zone. It says, you're entering free Capitol Hill. They're calling it an autonomous zone. Now take a look at this image. They say, in rather weird <laughs> a perspective, I guess, regime occupied Safeway. Police hold up here. And so there's this Safeway and it's regime occupied. We have this one, regime encampment off Broadway. Now take a look at this. For those, that are, for, for those that are just listening, it's a map of the Seattle area of the Capitol Hill area. And it says Capitol Hill free zone, protester occupied Seattle. We can see the police department and it says captured regime East precinct, abandoned police station with doors left unlocked, LOL. We have this section right here. It says houses along Olive offering food and bathroom access to protesters and those marching. Now, this is ridiculously silly and it's been mocked and ridiculed as such an absurd LARP. Now, sure, you can say they're joking and maybe they are being a bit silly and they know it, but this is what they're actually doing. Okay, listen, this is usable intelligence for these people who have taken over these seven city blocks in Seattle. Let me show you some of the, some of the posts that people have made. In this post, this person says, this, uh, this is a tweet from Andy No, by the way, who's highlighting several other tweets and images. In one of the highlighted images, someone said the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Folks in Seattle have secured six blocks of city at the moment, barricaded it, and gotten local businesses and residents to agree to, well, disaffiliate from Seattle, basically. It's a flux state in the making. These may be exaggerations. This may be live action role play. But these people have been violent. 
They've been violent in the past. There's no reason to believe they aren't going to do so now. One of the key things they try to do is make you think that they're just dotering old fools playing a silly game. But if they're taking up arms and bulletproof vests for any reason, then things are escalating dangerously out of control. This person with the black flags in their name tweeted, speaker at the autonomous zones advocating folks with firearms take shifts, defend the barricades. This is getting organized. She swore, by the way. So I can't, I, I, I can't tell you whether they're joking or not. But Jake Hanrahan, a real journalist who's actually covered actual conflict, said, quote, regime encampment. Oh, my God, get real LARPing as if it's Syria. Yes, the reality of what's going on can be seen in this article from 770 KTTH. Seattle Antifa violence ruined a peaceful justice for George Floyd protest. This is May 30th just over a week before what we're seeing now. And that's unfortunate. Everybody was advocating for reform. The reforms were possible. And these people just went nuts and are now discrediting everything. And that's what's really happening. Now a week on, far left extremists are occupying these streets. Look, it may be easily cleared out by the police, but the police have no community support, which is likely why they retreated. 12,000 complaints. Hey, man, it's like I said before, let the police do their thing. What I mean is, if you're not going to support them, here, actually, let me, let me give you the argument. If you got 100 people, I'm just giving you an example, and 10 people are screeching and the police, and the police come out to stop the screeching and the violence. If no one else supports the police, you have 90 votes to abstain and 10 votes to abolish the police. Guess what? Cops going to leave. And that's exactly what happened. They've abandoned the area. So maybe everyone there is happier for it. Great. So when the morality police come and start calling you names and the mob starts screeching at you like we've seen, don't be surprised. In this area, journalists tried to come and film and they were kicked out and told they weren't allowed in. No more freedom of movement. You got to support the ideology if you actually want to come in. The propaganda is, well, it's, it's, it's expanding to say the least. Take a look at this story from The Guardian. Protesters across U.S. attacked by cars, driven into crowds, and men with guns. No. For the most part, the story is grossly exaggerating. And this is one of the big problems. This is not, look, you know, a lot of people don't like me talking about what's going on because they think that it's, it's, it's making things worse. And, and, and I'll be the first to admit, you know, the other day on the, on the Timcast IRL podcast, we talked about how social media can accelerate things. I'm telling you these people are silly and they're LARPing, but to take it seriously, I'm not telling you that, you know, a, a rogue faction has taken over and they're like commandos coming from helicopters. It's a bunch of dumb people that are live action role playing, but that can escalate into something more serious. Now, this from The Guardian is what scares me. The image they use shows a truck. It slowed down. The man was dragged out of his car and he was beaten by protesters and he was released without charge because he wasn't trying to hit anybody. He actually tried to dodge people. He was just doing his job. He was a trucker. But the propaganda is getting intense. Now we can see this. This is where things do get worrying. All right. As the propaganda escalates and the rioters take control of certain areas and burn things down, Fort Worth police drop rioting charges against protesters. Wow. I'm sorry. And they say protesters. These were rioters rioting charges. Okay. That's what they said in the letter that protesters had engaged in rioting and they were being let go. We saw a letter from the DA in Manhattan. 
They declined to prosecute protest arrests. Hey, but the police, yeah, the police are going to be hit with criminal charges over pushing a woman and some other instances. A lot of cops are now facing uh, serious charges in Buffalo, for instance, those two cops who pushed the, the old man. Trump was tweeting about it earlier. They're facing second degree assault. 57 cops resigned in support of them. This is what you need to realize about what's happening in Seattle. When they say they won't prosecute protesters, but they will prosecute cops, both engaging in these, you know, conflicted and, you know, these conflicts. You think cops are going to put their stick their neck out for this? No. Now, look, that cop shouldn't have pushed that woman for sure. But you're you're selective policing here. That's why I think the police backed off and abandoned this area of Capitol Hill in Seattle, not because it's de-escalation, not because it's a new tactic, because it was a week long conflict between extremists who are just throwing things at them. And so they said, we out. People are complaining. Well, then they can do whatever they want. If you don't want us here, then we'll leave. So now if you live in the area and you're happy with that decision, well, then good for you. You got what you want. Hey, doesn't everybody win in this regard? The cops can leave and go do their thing. These activists want to disband the police. You want to create a, a uh, moral policing system of random people now asserting authority over your businesses? Okay. Get, well, there you go. That's what's going to happen. I bet a lot of people are fleeing these cities, to say the least, right? Now, take a look at this. This is where things start getting a bit more heavy. Man wore stolen police gear after helping to torch Minneapolis Police Department precinct charges, say. This is, this is the one where the conservatives start laughing and cheering because the look on this guy's face, man, I'm going to show you his face. And I'm, I'm building up the suspense here. But it's sad. It really is. Take a look at this dude in the mugshot. Can you see that? Look at that face, man. That's a face of someone who has been crying. Look at the swollen, puffy eyes. That dude's been crying for a long time. He's what, 23 years old. Check this out. Brendan Michael Wolf was fired June 3rd from his security job at Menards on University Avenue after the store learned of social media reports that identified him as a participant in rioting. A Menards employee called police after Wolf tried to enter the store later the day wearing stolen body armor and a law enforcement duty uh, belt and carrying a police baton, according to a complaint filed Monday in U.S. District Court. I think he may have posted a photo of it. I don't know what he was wearing. I mean, there's a photo of him on his Facebook where he's wearing body armor. It may be from before all this. I don't know. They said St. Paul, Paul police found him in a vehicle several miles from the store, still wearing the body armor and duty belt, which was affixed with handcuffs, a baton, a knife and an earpiece. His name was handwritten on duct tape attached to the back of his body armor, according to the complaint. In a police interview, he admitted he stoked the third precinct fire by pushing a wooden barrel into the flames. He also reportedly admitted to stealing several items. Apparently now he, wow, look at this. Police search his vehicle and found several items belonging to the police, including a riot helmet, a nine millimeter magazine, police radio, and police drug overdose kit. Wolf was charged in federal court Monday with aiding and abetting arson. Look at that face. The face of someone who realized he just ended his life. What a pathetic moron. I tell you, man, his Facebook page is publicly visible. I'm not going to show you images or anything, but I believe this is him, a, secure, a security guard. He tweet, he, his, his Facebook tag says, silence becomes violence when we refuse guidance to those who seek it. And now he's going to spend a very, very long time in federal custody. This is not the Minneapolis police charging him. This is not the state of Minnesota. This is the federal government. He's, it's, 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 look, man, I know a lot of people are probably laughing at him and all that stuff, but think about how sad it is. 
that you can be some dumb, blind young person seeing stupid posts on social media. You show up and everyone's egging you on and cheering. And they're like, yeah, yeah. So you run in and you're laughing, thinking you're part of the group. It feels good. And you're in a dangerous mob. That's too bad. You got to think for yourself. But the sheeple, they don't know better. So this dude who's a moron clearly stokes the fire, steals stuff, and then walks around wearing it. How dumb do you got to be? He was playing revolutionary, just like the rest of these LARPers in Seattle who are allowed to get away with this. Let me tell you something. One of the problems we have in this country is that you let the LARPers do these things and then they do stupid things like burn down a police department. These people in Seattle are dumb young people who have never had consequences placed upon them. They do whatever they want and the cops back off and retreat. I don't think the cops, you know, should engage in any kind of unlawful activity or anything like that. Or I I absolutely oppose authoritarianism and brutality. But there is still enforcement of the law. In this instance, perhaps exactly what needed to happen, uh, happen, happened. That the people in the city don't support the police and don't want them. And there you go. Welcome to a, a democratic institution. If the police have no support, the police will leave. And you get exactly what you want. A generation of young people who have never been disciplined, who think they can go wherever they want, do whatever they want, take whatever they want. And then one of them gets dumb enough to go into a police precinct, steal stuff and walk around wearing it because he didn't know better. Well, now he's getting he's, he's going to be made an example of. The problem is teaching him by sending him to prison for a couple decades isn't going to change anything for the rest of the generation. Some people might see it and say, oh, man, that's worrisome. I don't I don't want to go to jail, you know. But too many dumb, stupid people are taking it seriously. They don't understand what real revolution is like, and they're pretending. They don't understand how good they have it. They are spoiled children complaining. I, th- I mean, just think about it, right? Kids, you know, imagine a kid growing up with a rich parent who gives them everything they want. And they have a temper tantrum all day. And the mom just keeps going, oh, oh, what do you want, honey? Please stop yelling at me. So they buy them literally everything. And you congratulations, created a spoiled brat generation that doesn't want to do work and wants you to pay for it and then goes and burns things down and thinks they're going to get away with it. It's not how the world works. What you're seeing right now is a letter from Josh Hawley. He's asking Bill Barr to investigate the uh, uh, unequal treatment under the law. We'll see where this goes. It's a very fascinating letter. He points out that in California, the Supreme Court ruled against churches, saying it was unclear whether the state was treating them unequally. Now, based on the protests, there's no question Bill Barr needs to uh, launch a civil rights investigation as to why these states are treating different ideologies uh, while they're treating them differently under the law. Sorry, we can't have that. Not in this country. Now, over here on Twitter, we can see something quite funny. Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey himself retweeting a video glorifying violence from a woman who's saying that even if they burned everything to the ground, it wouldn't be enough. And you're lucky they, they are, they're not looking for revenge, just equality. That's glorifying violence. You got to love the double standard there, right? This is where we're headed. It's not just about private sector, public sector. It's happening everywhere. That's why I bring up this last little bit. You've got the police now in several different jurisdictions treating certain ideologies as more immune, in a sense, than churchgoers. Inequality under the law. Now you've got Twitter, which will censor the president and flag him for glorifying violence. And then the founder himself posts a video, retweets it, of a woman saying, F your buildings, glorifying violence and justifying it. Now, retweets aren't aren't necessarily endorsements, fine. But the post still isn't flagged. 
Shouldn't it be if Donald Trump's going to be? Double standards, man. Rules for thee, but not for me. So listen, let's wrap all this up. Do I think it's the end of the world in Seattle? No, I think it's a bunch of dumb kids LARPing. And this thing, things like this happen very often. But you combine this with all the other stories we've seen and that, that moron, you know, trying to burn down a police department and stealing stuff. And these people are dumb, but that doesn't mean they're not dangerous. And it doesn't mean they won't accidentally start some kind of revolution when the actual revolutionaries use them as cover to engage in more overt acts. And we've seen it. We've seen some horrifying stuff, man. That van in, in Oakland that popped open the, the side panel door, rifle comes out. You know what I'm talking about. But anyway, listen, I'll leave it there. I don't know how this will play out. I, I, I assume at, at, at some point these protesters will just leave. Nothing will happen. Maybe not, though. I'll have some more segments coming up for you at 6 p.m. over at TimCast.net. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you all then. Woke Twitter. Many in media are furious at Tucker Carlson. After he ran a segment criticizing Black Lives Matter, he talked about Black Lives Matter being a political party. And I think there's a lot that needs to be brought up in regard to what's really going on and why they're using the name Black Lives Matter, what it really means. You see, Tucker said that whatever is happening, it's not really about black lives. He's right. It's because this is the cult of intersectionality. It is leftist identitarianism. It is the new religion we just saw the Democrats bow to. Now, just to reference that real quick, you saw the Democrats the other day kneeling, you know, in the in the in the, uh, the Capitol building or whatever. That's the old guard, man. Even though they're trying to resist calls to defund the police, they're on the way out. So what happens? Well, the cultists are going to take over. And then once they're officially in, they'll deny that they're a cult. Of course, they do. They all do. And they'll deny that they're a religion, but they are. It's a non-theistic religion. And then we have religion merged with the state. And when they get rid of the uh, police departments, they're going to replace them with one, one proposal is zip code based community policing, where, you know, people are going to police things based on their fifis, how they feel. They don't care about the Constitution. They actually march around with a, with a flag of a fist crushing a snake that says we will tread, which is just downright authoritarianism. That's what they're marching about. And they use Black Lives Matter as a shield because regular Americans, it's a, it's a Trojan horse. You hear something like this. They post all this propaganda and all these memes and you're like, I agree with that. I mean, personally, I personally agree with it. I like the protests. I think people are allowed to, allowed to speak up their minds. But we have a very dangerous precedent happening right now where cultists and ideologues are using that as a Trojan horse to manipulate government, manipulate our media. And right now, what we're seeing, Tucker Carlson may be the last honest guy on TV. Now, here on YouTube, there's been a big purge of a lot of people over a long period of time. And it's only a matter of time before I get the purges. I, I get purged as well. But for the time being, I work for myself and I can say whatever I want, and I will. Tucker Carlson works for Fox News. They've gone after his sponsors. He's lost a lot of them. While Fox News likely won't give up one of their highest rated programs, it really is only a matter of time because, Tucker, you work for someone else. When you see, as Tucker even pointed out, the military, the National Guard, all bending the knee, high profile Democratic leaders, the NFL, all of these organizations literally bending the knee. How long do you think it'll take until Fox News bends the knee? Because they've done it before, suspending and firing people. Tucker may be very popular and very lucrative, but Fox News is a business that seeks to make money. They are not passionately driven by their principles or their ideology. It's just a company. And they found a path towards money. And I can only imagine that Tucker, Hannity, Laura Ingram will be out at some point, maybe some point soon. Now, as for me, 
Although I don't really work for anybody, I do have constraints placed on me by YouTube. So we'll see how long this lasts. But let me show you what's going on in media right now. And then I'll read you this story and we'll talk about what Tucker said, because he makes a lot of good points. But I think Tucker needs to have someone like Peter Bogosian on his show. If you're not familiar, Peter Bogosian is a philosophy professor. I did a podcast with him a couple of years ago where he talked about the rise of intersectionality as a non-theistic religion. You really, really need to hear what this guy has to say because he's right. You've got original sin, privilege. You've got the, a, a name for the fanatics, the allies. Okay, they call themselves allies. They have a, a devotee name. They march around. They're, they're fervent, belligerent, and they adhere to a weird orthodoxy that makes little sense. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole non-theistic religion thing because you really got to take it from the expert, Peter Bogosian. But think about how they have repentance. They have, you know, uh, priests of social media influence who will tell you what to think and what to say. They don't speak on their own and they go out and they get violent and attack those who don't believe them. So for now, I would just call it a cult. You know, you see that video I posted on Twitter where they're all sitting there with their hands up mindlessly chanting. Yeah, I'll call it a cult for now, but it really is becoming something bigger than that. Let me show you how freaky everything is really getting. This tweet from Maxwell, he says, since Thursday, New York Times opinion editor resigns over fallout, woke outrage, to say the least. Variety chief editor takes leave after staff revolt. Why? Yes, because she wrote an article about diversity in newsrooms, and now she must take a serious moment of reflection. Top editor of Philadelphia Inquirer resigns after Buildings Matter headline. Refinery29 founder Christine Barberich steps down as editor-in-chief after accusations of racism. And the editor uh, and the uh, editor-in-chief of Bon, of, of bon Appetit, Rappaport, I don't know who this guy is, is also stepping down. We saw Alexis Ohanian on the board of Reddit announce he was stepping down and wanted his position to be filled by a black person. This is not about Black Lives Matter, which in and of itself is, is totally fine. If you look at someone like DeRay McKesson, okay, I think he's, he's pretty all right. I don't follow everything he does, but he's put out a video recently where he was like, police reform makes sense. You know what? He's right. It does. We all, all of us complained about George Floyd, but the intersectionalist cult found an opportunity to push their ideology through with the Trojan horse of Black Lives Matter. That's kind of what Tucker Carlson is, is talking about. Now, before we read this, I want to tell you about why I showed you these, these stories. All of these people bending the knee, quitting their jobs. Media is where influence comes from. It's why they want me banned. It's why they lie about me. It's why they go after Tucker Carlson's sponsors. There are very few people left in the media standing up for liberal, like actual liberalism. I, I know, I know. I see people posting at the time, liberalism is a mental disorder and stuff like that. And the liberals and the liberals, these people are not liberals. They are cultists of a far left ideology. True liberals in this country are uh, civil, civil libertarian types, people who actually you, look, you can call the New York Times by New York Times biased, but they would actually run op eds from shady figures and with questionable opinions, because that was the point. Free speech, free thought. You know, the sunshine is the best disinfectant, something that conservatives and liberals agreed upon for the most part, because they all held constitutional libertarian ideals to varying degrees. Over time, liberal has come to mean whatever the left is, and conservative has come to mean whatever the right is. And I don't like these terms. It doesn't really describe what we're actually seeing. Policy-wise, I would be a traditional liberal. According to the Hidden Tribes More in Common study I love to cite, I actually am. I'm just to the right of progressives. 
But the progressives have adopted this insane religion, which completely undermines all of the claims they think they're making. Like they're not fighting racism. They're bolstering it. They're not ending uh, racism. They're creating segregation. These people want this fringe ideology to be pervasive throughout everything. And they're winning. For a while, we thought they weren't. I really, really thought they were gone, but perhaps they were just lying dormant in wait. Now they've come back with a vengeance. And following this latest move with George Floyd, they saw their chance. It was one of the most egregious things we've ever seen on film. A man begging for his life and the cops callously just leave, like, like killing the guy. And because everyone was on board with it, that's when, the, when they dropped the hammer. Then you see all of these institutions immediately bend over, bend over backwards to allow this ideology to infect everything. Instagram gets flooded with these woke nonsense memes about racial numbers and whatever, things that make no sense and that have no bearing on whether or not your company actually does right or makes a good product. But now they're coming for Tucker Carlson. They've been coming coming at him for a long time. I don't think that he is as resilient as many would assume he is. But let's read the story and go through exactly what they're saying. But let me let me just let me just tell you what's happening. OK, I'm sorry it's taken so long for me to actually read the story. But listen, they're tearing down more and more statues in the UK. They vandalized a statue of Abraham Lincoln. They're, they now removed a statue of King Leopold. Yeah, I get it. You can criticize a lot of these people. But listen, the United States of America is based on reform. For 250 years, we have reformed over and over and over again. No revolution. We had a civil war. That was really, really bad. Yeah, we don't want that to happen again. We constantly have had reforms from changing the Constitution with amendments to passing new laws to expanding civil rights legislation and expanding civil rights through the Supreme Court's rulings. We have actually reformed this country in amazing ways, which is why you should never let anyone tell you that reform doesn't work. No, quite literally, it has worked for hundreds of years, creating one of the freest nations on the planet and one of the least racist. I know because of my family heritage and I know what it's like going to other countries and what it means when you're not part of the majority group. You want to talk about racism, go spend some time in China. Let's read this story from from the Washington Post about what's going on with Tucker Carlson. They write, Tucker Carlson says protests are definitely not about black lives, prompting backlash. Fox News host Tucker Carlson faced intense backlash Monday night after he argued that the nationwide unrest over racism and police brutality sparked by the death of George Floyd is definitely not about black lives. Carlson's comments came during a fiery monologue that kicked off his primetime show Monday following another day of large demonstrations in the wake of last month's fatal incident in which Floyd and we, we, you know, they always do this. I think we get it at this point. Thank you, Washington Post. He said, this may be a lot of things, this moment we're living through, but it's definitely not about black lives. Remember that when they come for you and at this rate, they will. Anyone who has ever been subjected to the rage of the mob knows the feeling. It's like being swarmed by hornets. You cannot think clearly and the temptation is to panic, but you can't panic. You've got to keep your head and tell the truth. If you show weakness of any kind, they will crush you. They say Carlson did not make clear who he was referring to when he said they, leading critics online to suggest the host was, as one person put it, telling his audience, black people are coming to get you, white people. A short clip of Carlson's segment quickly went viral Monday night, prompting some to again urge advertisers to boycott his show. Fox News did not respond to a request for comment. They got rid of that. um, I can't remember the woman's name. Uh, who got her show removed. And I'm going to, I think I know it, but I'm going to avoid saying it just in case I get it wrong. But yet one, one, one woman had, had her show removed and she left the company. Tucker Carlson 
was clearly referring to the intersectionalist cults and the rioters. And he's 100% right that the riots that are happening are not about black lives. I have proof. I have proof for you. I am from Chicago. Take a look at this story. What are we going to have left in our community? Aldermen react with panic, sorrow to unrest. It's from June 5th, WTTW Chicago, your window to the world. We can see this photo of, uh, of some kind of rioting or whatever. Here's what they say. As unrest swept the city Sunday, aldermen pleaded with Mayor Lori Lightfoot to help them protect their communities from roving bands of criminals clashing with police and looting businesses. WTTW News obtained a recording of an online conference call held by the mayor's office to brief all 50 aldermen on the city's response to the unrest touched off by the death of George Floyd in the custody of Minneapolis police. While one alderman wept, others grew angry with the mayor, demanding to know what her strategy was to stop the violence that began in earnest late Saturday. The calls provided a snapshot into the city's response as of midday on Sunday to the most widespread and damaging unrest seen since the uprising after the murder of Martin Luther King Jr. The recording begins with Alderman Mitchell Harris wondering how she could convince businesses like Walmart and CVS to rebuild on the south side after the destruction. It's like, what are we going to have left in our community? Nothing. The south side, Chicago, very segregated. And as many of you are probably aware, there are a lot of strongly black communities on the south side. They've been uh, looted, vandalized, rioters destroyed things. And in this call, man, you can really hear the pain from these politicians who are watching their community be destroyed. Let me give you, and I posted this jokingly, the traditional leftist response. Now, there are a lot of people who are involved with Black Lives Matter, regular people walking around protesting. They have no idea what they're actually calling for. But these leaders are saying defund or abolish the police. That is way outside of what regular Americans know or would want. But they march anyway. This scares big businesses into supporting them. And then when they do, these leaders behind the scenes can enact extremist changes, revolutionary reforms, I would say. And everyone thinks they have their, the people support them. So think about it. Hundreds of thousands of people march. All these big businesses say, hey, that's what people want. We're going to serve them. And they post all these messages. Then the emboldened leaders who believe fringe, insane ideas can then enact things and say, if you don't agree with us, that you're clearly on the wrong side of history. And these people do believe weird things. These people are not fighting for Black Lives Matter when they say defund the police. The people in the, on the south side of Chicago, the politicians are begging for help. If you truly got rid of the police, you know who would benefit? Rich white people. I mean, the majority of this country is white. A lot of the wealth, the wealth is disproportionately held by, uh, or I should say it's held by more white people, though there are more poor white people in this country. It's disproportionate. Wealthy urban elites, mostly white, the progressive upper crust, the people who lead the charge on these issues are the ones who will have private security and will laugh about it. It's the politicians who said they want to ban guns and then have security with weapons. It's about these celebrities who say, talk all big about gun control and then hire armed guards to walk around with them. That's who will benefit when you get rid of the police. Here we can see what happens in Chicago. And what's funny is, what do they, what do they say? They say that uh, uh, it's restorative justice. Yes, that's right. Looting is noble. Restorative justice, stealing from the oppressor class. Now, uh, that's, that's absolutely not true. And I've seen it firsthand. You are destroying the poor. And they need to. You know why? If there's no victim anymore, how do you pander to urban liberals who aren't paying attention? 
No, you need to convince them they're the hero. I know I've worked for nonprofits that deal with these issues. You need to convince the regular person who doesn't care that they're a hero. Play to their ego. You can be the savior to save these people. You must do it. But if there's no one to save, what do you do? Let me tell you something. I worked for a homeless shelter. They told us, this is one of the reasons I quit, to tell people that the homeless shelter was at capacity. A lie, which shocked me. I was like, whoa, whoa. And I found out that wasn't true. I said, I'm never, I'm not going to say that to anyone ever again. And they told me, you need to create a sense of urgency. Otherwise, no one will support us. And then there's no homeless shelter. And I said, if they're not at capacity, I won't say we are. And they, they argue, well, the reason is it's because it, it was for homeless kids. They don't, they don't want to uh, uh, you know, come to the homeless shelter. I don't care what the reason is. If you want to go lie to people to fundraise, that was the issue. They needed these victims. They needed the people to be oppressed. They needed to show you how good they were and how good you would be. So what happens then when you actually help these communities, communities build up wealth and create new stores and provide for their children? You don't have victims anymore. And then what? Then what are you going to do? The Democrats and a lot of these people need perpetual victims. So for better or for worse, it's what you're going to get. Washington Post says on Monday, following a tumultuous weekend that saw more violent clashes between law enforcement and mostly peaceful demonstrators, Carlson launched into a recap of the current events. America went insane over the weekend. That's barely an overstatement. The host was particularly irked by news that many local leaders nationwide are facing mounting pressure from protesters to slash funding for police departments or abolish them entirely. Washington Post. You see how when they don't actually address what's being brought up in a sensible, sane way, they actually passively support fringe extremism. Tucker Carlson's right. Completely right. Americans don't want the police abolished. That's insane. Go to, I, I tell you this, man, stand on any street corner, just ask people and they're going to be like, uh, no, what do you mean? Like we need cops. That's right. Oh, but it's a place of privilege to want that. When I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, man, if these people in Chicago, these aldermen turned on MSNBC, they probably, probably would be shocked to see that after their community was burned to the ground and raised and their businesses and the, and the pharmacies where they need to go to get medicine are gone, they turn on MSNBC and CNN and what do they see? Well, these people are just speaking the language of the unheard. And now people are starting to listen up. And the people in these communities are saying, why are they doing this to us? And then along comes Tucker Carlson, who says, don't let them destroy your town. Don't let them destroy where you live. And, and who do you think they're going to agree with, man? I think it's fascinating. We're seeing all of these polls pop up that Biden's leading the double digits. Now, Tucker Carlson makes a really good point. See, I said, I really do think that Donald Trump is going to just absolutely crush it in November. The Republicans are going to sweep and all these things. But hey, man, I was wrong 2018. I could be wrong now because I can't see everything. Hindsight is 2020. After the election in the midterm, the midterm election in 2020, I mean, I'm sorry, 2018, it turns out that Trump's base didn't show up. So that's their own fault. And Trump straight up said, if they get the House, they're going to impeach me. And guess what happened? They did just that. They Trojan horsed moderate districts saying, we want to fight for health care and kitchen table issues and bring everything back to normal. And these regular people said, I want that and voted for these moderates who then immediately turned around and smirked and went orange man bad. And it was like, no, you weren't supposed to do this. You were supposed to fight for us. The Trump supporters who didn't show up have no one to blame but themselves. Now, come this November, it's entirely possible that learning from the mistakes of the past, 
every single Trump supporter and all of his new supporters show up in droves. And these silent majority who are scared to speak up because they will destroy you, you will lose your job. Well, they're going to go out and vote and it's going to be a secret ballot and they're going to vote for Trump. I mean, think about all of these people who have lost their jobs. Like just from this tweet alone, these high profile individuals who lost their jobs, people in media, how many of them are bowing saying, please don't hurt me, please. And then when given an opportunity to support the mob, what are they going to do? No, they're going to say, Trump, 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 please, please. They're going to they're going to do everything in their power to put all the flyers in their windows saying Black Lives Matter. And then and then as soon as they get the choice, say, please save me from these lunatics. Go go to Berkeley, go to Berkeley, walk around Berkeley, look out the windows. They got all the hostage signs that they're bowing, terrified of what's going to happen to them if they don't put the flyer in the window. They'll smash up your business. Some of them even go as far as to say, please don't smash my window. Now, here's the other thing that Tucker Carlson brings up as to what might happen in November. He says Black Lives Matter is a political party. You've got the National Guard kneeling. Celebrities like, you know, or he doesn't bring, I don't know if he brings up, he, he did bring up celebrities before, but all of these people that you didn't expect to now bend the knee, like the commissioner of the NFL or whatever, who once opposed Kaepernick now supporting him. Barack Obama even criticized Kaepernick, apparently. It's a viral image going around. I got to check that one. So look into that. supposedly from Politico and other uh, claims from high profile uh, Democrats and leftists who were critical of Kaepernick. Now everyone supports him. When I see the people I know, several things happening. My phone is lighting up with people signing up for the Signal app, which is an encrypted communications app. That says to me that these millennials I know who are not political are being activated. Okay. Signal is an encrypted communications app that activists promote. It allows you to talk to people, and but but everybody's journalists use it. It's a, as far as I can tell, it's a pretty good app. But you, you're really just trusting the company to make sure your chat's really encrypted. When I saw my contact list, a ton of people who have nothing to do with politics and don't care, all of a sudden downloading that because it notifies you. It says so and so has joined Signal. I'm like, wow, that means someone went to them and said you need to download this app. And it is not typically conservatives telling people to do it. And the people who I see signing up, I see a posting on Facebook saying things about Trump. And these are people who are not political and have no idea what's really going on in the world. That's the Trojan horse. So you might think the polls are wrong and you're laughing. The betting odds are wrong. You're laughing. It's 2016 all over again. I mean, I've said that, right? But don't you think these people have learned at least a little bit? It's entirely possible they haven't. It's entirely possible they're nuts. It's also entirely possible they're running a Trojan horse. They want you to think everything is the same as 2016 so that you're lulled into a false sense of security. And then sure enough, a wave of young people chanting Black Lives Matter show up and vote in droves. And then Donald Trump loses. Moody's analytics said record turnout is needed to defeat Trump. I'm not entirely convinced their strategy would work. I still think Trump will win. The reason being Bernie Sanders couldn't even get young people to vote. They, they supposedly screeched for him all day and night online and then did nothing to vote. So do I think these young people are actually going to go vote? Not at all. But what about if the vote is brought to them? Then yes, yes, they will. And that's mail-in voting. So now you're going to see all these ballots arrive at their house. They're going to be like, oh, huh, what? Oh, yeah, um, sure, whatever. There you go. Hey, let's go on Instagram and post pictures. And then they voted. That's where I think we might go. So Tucker Carlson brings up a good point. You're seeing way more people now bending the knee to, to, to Black Lives Matter. And Black Lives Matter is the Trojan horse for the cult of intersectionality. These people may actually turn out in large numbers and Trump may lose. 
And you know what? I got to be honest, whatever it ha- whatever happens, man, I'm just gonna be laughing all the way down. I feel like, what was that movie, Dr. Strangelove or whatever, where the guy's riding the, he, he jumps on the atomic bomb and just rides it down or whatever. That's what it feels like right now. Glenn Beck said, you know, last year that if Trump doesn't get reelected and the Republicans don't win, it's the end of the country as we know it. I think it may happen no matter what, because who's going to back down? Think about it this way. The likelihood of reports of voter fraud, I think is 100%. I mean, we already saw it in Patterson, New Jersey, where 3000 ballots were bunk and disqualified, turned out some were real. Everyone's panicking and a local NAACP leader says cancel the whole, whole election. We do widespread mail-in voting. One, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of things that can happen, but consider this. First, maybe young people actually vote in large numbers. That may not be the case because in California, it would seem to be like a dry run for it. It failed. Young people still barely turned out and the older crowd voted in larger numbers. Something else might happen. Mail-in voting will create such uncertainty. It will give the left or the right the opportunity to challenge the election to the courts and have the Supreme Court decide who wins. And then things get pretty weird. Do, who's who's on the court? Do you know, it, it, right now it's uh, it, it could go either way. If Trump wins, and then the Democrats say, "Oh, hey, wait, look, oh no, oh no, these these votes are strange," well, then what do they do? They sue, and they try and challenge the election. Let's say Trump loses, and then Trump supporters say, "Hey, look at all these things. We knew it. Voter fraud. Voter fraud. Who's going to back down?" No one's going to back down. It's going to be one of the worst elections we've ever seen. And I think it's going to get maybe bloody. I mean, in the streets for sure. You know, like we saw in uh, 20, January 17, 2020, I believe it was, uh, or was it the 20th? I don't know. All, all of the activists running around smashing windows and fighting and all that stuff. I guess we'll, we can only wait and see, man, but I'll leave it there. Stick around. Next segment's coming up on this channel at 1 p.m. And I will see you all then. Morality policing is on the rise in the United States. It was just a day or so ago we heard that the DA in Manhattan would not be charging low level crimes related to protesting. The reason that is significant is because churchgoers are still not not allowed to to attend church and that the police in Newark have actually targeted the Jewish community over prayer services. But they have explicitly now said If the ideology you choose to support is Black Lives Matter, using the words Black Lives Matter, you will not be charged, essentially granting immunity to one political ideology over many other protected groups. We're now seeing the escalation in real time. Fort Worth police chief dropping charges against rioters. And that was the argument I heard from so many people saying, Tim, it's just low level protest. This is First Amendment rights and all that. And it is unfortunate churchgoers can't go, but that doesn't mean these people should be punished. You're right. They shouldn't. It doesn't. They they have a right to protest. 100% agree. And the churchgoers have a 100%, uh, I 100% believe they have a right to, to worship and to go out and pray. And the government shouldn't have the right to stop anyone. But we cannot have inequality under the law. We can't have some groups being propped up and some struck down. Now it's worse. They said, but it was just low level offenses, Tim. Yeah, well, now in Dallas and in Fort Worth, I'm sorry, it's rioting. And you know why that's funny? Because it was only a month or so ago that a salon owner was arrested and the, and the Supreme Court of Texas had to overturn this to get the woman released. They're straight up saying right now, if you want to do someone's hair, we will lock you up. If you want to throw a brick through a window and steal a TV, that's all right. We know where this leads. 
I have, I have warned my friends that you will not enjoy morality policing because all of a sudden you'll find that for, for whatever nonsensical reason, they have shut you down because the mob demanded it and other people will be given unfair advantages. You're not going to enjoy it. I had one friend say, well, you know, this, this movement is more understandable. I think this one we need to allow. Yeah. Then you enter the world of selective enforcement. Then the laws on the books make no sense and you won't know what you're allowed to do. Let's read this story from the Daily Caller. Fort Worth police chief dropping charges against rioters. They say Ed Krause said Monday that his department is dropping rioting charges brought up against 50 people. Krause suggested forgetting the rioting charges, rioting charges was a way to forge reconciliation between the police and the community. NBC News affiliate Dallas Fort Worth 5 reported Monday. Fort Worth police made the arrests on the West 7th Street Bridge on May 31st. You know what happens? When the police refuse to charge or, 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 or even arrest these people, we've already seen it happen in Seattle. There have been groups that have taken over street uh, intersections, blocking cars, telling you you can't or can't go somewhere. It starts there. It will come to your city and you will not enjoy it. Once they get enough numbers and the police won't do anything, well, then you've got a, an outrage mob that the police will actually back up. You know, uh, over in Minneapolis, this Chauvin guy, he gets handed over to Keith Ellison to prosecute. Keith Ellison, as you know, held up a book smiling, the Antifa handbook. Now he's saying apparently he's not going to release body cam footage. Gee, I wonder why. Does that sound like transparency and accountability? No, of course not. You give these people power and they go insane. So you will eventually see these people taking over your towns and cities. And we're seeing it in this video from Andy No. He says Seattle Antifa extremists have occupied the Capitol Hill area in Seattle and turned it into a no-go zone. They have their people patrolling the barriers they set up. Local news crews, uh, crew, crew was chased out. They had to seek refuge in a fire station. I've seen videos like this over and over again. This is what you get with morality policing. They don't know. They don't care. They don't want evidence. They just attack you. They surrounded a local news crew who has every right to be there filming, but this, the Constitution has now been superseded by morality policing. When the, when the police will not come out against these people, this is what you get. I had a friend say to me, well, you know, to be honest, it is a lot harder to deal with a social justice movement than it is a churchgoer. Right. Does that mean we back down and allow people to break the law? No. No, more importantly, if you're a peaceful protester, and a peaceful churchgoer, you should be allowed to do it. Rioting is a dangerous step up. Let's read a little bit more. They say, protests and riots erupted across America. Yeah, we know that. You know what? Let's just read the letter from, uh, from, the, from the police here. This is what it says. On May 31st, Fort Worth police arrested several dozen people for rioting during a protest. Since that time, the protests in the city have been peaceful. The protesters have expressed their anger over police misconduct and have demanded changes. The cry to reform the police profession is echoing across our nation, and we must start here at home. We hear those voices, and we are committed to enacting the necessary reforms to improve our police department and our relationship with the community we serve. Words are a start, but must be backed up with action. To that end, I am dropping all charges for rioting that have resulted from the protests in Fort Worth. And each individual that was arrested for that violation will be notified by letter that their charges have been dropped. This is just one step on a long journey, but I hope it shows the, that the, w, uh, the Fort Worth Police Department is committed to walking the path of reform with our community. Well, I'll tell you what comes next, man. 
what we're going to see is capitulation. That's what we're seeing now. Then inquisition. You have the police bending over, bending the knee to this one particular ideology. You're not going to like it when a mob shows up at your door because someone spread a rumor about you and the police refuse to do anything. You're not going to like it when they disband the police like they want to do in Minneapolis. And then you end up with social justice diversity patrols. I had a friend who uh, grew up in Ukraine, told me that during the height of the Soviet Union, there was this one apartment that uh, we were were actually staying in it. And she said that the neighbors had been disappeared by, by the government. See, in one apartment, there was a fight with the neighbors. The, the, there were two apartments next to each other. They didn't get along. So one, one, uh, one couple contacted the police and accused the other neighbor of bad-mouthing the party. And then a day later, apartment was empty. Problem solved. Send them off to a gulag, no doubt. That's what you get. You see, what happens is, as, as, as my friend said, it was easier to deal with, 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 with churchgoers and social justice protests. Yeah, okay. The police have just said to all of these rioters, we will let you do this. We will let you riot and do whatever you want. So why wouldn't they step things up? No one will stop them. It's tough. You know, you don't want to see a hard crackdown from, you know, jackboot stormtroopers bashing peaceful protesters, but you can at least arrest rioters and convict them. Look, when Manhattan said that they weren't going to charge peaceful protesters, I would say to that, okay, I'll tell you what, drop the charges, fine, and let the churches resume. No, that is simple inequality under the law. We can't have that. Look at this. Here's the story from the Daily News. Manhattan DA won't prosecute protesters amid mass NYC protests, commends New Yorkers exercising civil rights at George Floyd demonstrations. Wonderful. They had previously sent a bunch of cops to a Jewish neighborhood to break up a prayer service and a funeral. But this, this is okay. So the escalation is happening faster than I thought, man. And, you know, part of me wants to sit back and think that everything will go back to normal. Everything will be okay. I just do not believe it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of different things that can happen, especially come November. Maybe Trump wins and he crushes all of the dissent. Maybe Trump loses and then he fizzles out and these people take control. Maybe Trump loses or the Democrats lose and then both sides just refuse to accept the results and a fight breaks out. Or maybe as the police continually back down to this ideology that's using Black Lives Matter as a Trojan horse, we end up with videos like what we saw in Seattle, where they scream and block journalists and control an entire neighborhood and you can't do anything about it. Do you want to live in an area where there's a bunch of people banging drums mindlessly, just mob rule over your... No, trust me, man, you don't. Because what happens then when someone points at you and yells Nazi Schweinhund, and then all of a sudden everyone's just beating the crap out of you and punching you in the face? Who are you going to call? Nobody. Well, that's privilege, they say. Now, you do not want to be dealing with a, a, an outrage mob. They don't care about what's true or right. They just react. It's just a ball of rage. And if they point the rage at you, you're done for. Take a look at what happened in Dallas. And let's talk about how good people and law-abiding citizens will face the brunt of morality policing. Minneapolis has already announced their intent to totally disband the police. There is a veto-proof majority on the city council that says it's going to happen. Next session, I suppose. Feeding my kids isn't selfish. Dallas salon owner speak out about her arrest. It's a month ago. You probably saw the story. Most of you know she was arrested. She was fined several times, then arrested. And ultimately, she was released from jail. Look at this. The order followed followed Governor Greg Abbott's announcement that he was eliminating jail time for Texans who violate stay-at-home orders. That's a good good thing. 
So I'm not going to pretend like it's it's still in effect. You know, it, it, it's good now that they're finally saying, OK, we want to arrest you. But think about how quickly they, they bent the knee to the outrage mob. And now you're going to see these roving bands of uh, diversity police. Minneapolis will get rid of their police department and they're going to talk about some kind of community policing. I don't know exactly what that, what that will look like, but I think there will come a time where a, a group will show up to your house accusing you of wrongdoing. There will be some kind of community leader while the mob is in the street and they're screaming and they're waving pitchforks, knocks on your door and says, look, John, you know, those things you posted online got the whole town real riled up and it's going to be a lot easier just to arrest you than it is to deal with all of that. So you're coming down to the station and we're going to charge you with disturbing the peace or something else. Worse still, as, the, as the, our government continually backs down to this outrage mob and arrests law-abiding citizen, citizens, you've just completely destabilized the system. And it's going to result in something you absolutely would... You, civil war, maybe? Take a look at this story from Politico. Trump to restart MAGA rallies this month despite coronavirus. The president and his team believe the massive protests in recent weeks will make it harder for critics to single him out. And he would be right. How do you justify telling him he can't have a rally, but at the same time, not only supporting the protests, but actively releasing the rioters? Politico says, Trump's advisors are still determining where the rallies will take place and what safety measures will be implemented, depending on the type of venue chosen. Campaign manager Brad Parscale is expected to present Trump with possibilities in the next few days. The president has been itching to resume his boisterous rallies, his favorite way to connect with supporters and let off steam. He's planning to use the events to drive home what is expected to be a major theme of his campaign, that he is the leader of this country's reopening and economic rebound. Trump held a hastily called press conference Friday to celebrate an unexpectedly strong jobs report, and his campaign immediately began running a massive ad campaign seizing the news. Americans are ready to get back to action. And so is President Trump. The right American comeback is real and the rallies will be tremendous. You will again see the kind of crowds and enthusiasm that sleepy Joe Biden can only dream of. Yeah, while he hides in his basement. The move comes at a precarious moment for Trump. National and swing state polls show him taking a major hit amid his handling of the pandemic and the social unrest that followed the killing of uh, George Floyd. He is trailing Joe Biden substantially in many polls. Now, just to quickly reiterate something from my last segment, I do believe Trump will win. That's just what I'm seeing right now. The polls are very much against Trump. Biden's got double digits. Tucker Carlson said something like Black Lives Matter is a political party. And you are now seeing all of these mainstream personalities and businesses bend over backwards for Black Lives Matter. So yeah, that may have activated a ton of people to vote against Trump. Where are the Republicans? They're certainly not speaking out against it. So the ideology is winning. Trump might actually lose. The president's team views the rallies as a way of rejuvenating his base and displaying his enthusi- the enthusiasm behind his reelection bid. They are eager to create a contrast with Biden, who has largely remained secluded in his Delaware home and hasn't held a major campaign event since spring. While Trump is likely to face blowback for resuming in-person events while the coronavirus pandemic is still ravaging the country, his advisors contend that the recent massive protest in metropolitan areas will make it harder for liberals to criticize him. Yeah, well, they're doing it anyway because they don't seem to care. I can't imagine, you know, what kind of person is sitting back watching all of this and saying, gee, that makes sense. It's like the the comic of the dog sitting with fire surrounding him saying, this is fine. I asked friends, 
How could you support the government coming out in favor of an ideology and suppressing another? You realize at some point they'll come for you. No, they don't. They don't get it. If you let the government quash the First Amendment, then eventually they will come and quash yours. It happens invariably. We see it every single time. Glenn Greenwald made the comment. He said, you know, something like if there's if there's any group of people who has displayed the inability to learn, it's the le- it's leftists and liberals who advocate for censorship and then are shocked to find it levied against them. So right now, the police have arrested business owners. The governor has come out against business. Governors have come out against business owners. And these leftists cheer and celebrate. And, and we know exactly what happens when the communist revolutionaries take over. The first people to go are the people who helped foment the revolution. The intellectuals, the people who know how to foment revolution, they don't want to exist. They immediately purge their own ranks. People who fall in line are fine. Counter-revolutionaries, you got to go, right? People like us telling them to shut up. Then they come for their own to make sure no one else can stage a revolution when they start doing insane things. They say Trump hasn't held a rally since March, though in recent weeks he has used ostensibly official events to visit swing states. He is gradually returning to normal political life with a pair of in-person fundraisers scheduled for this month. He will headline an event Thursday at a private home in Dallas. Aides are factoring in any array of factors in determining where the rallies will be held. Now, there's going to be a lot of cities that refuse this. Trump has been campaigning aggressively. Did you know this, that Trump was aggressively campaigning in Minneapolis? I got to say, man, it's really fortuitous. All of the timing of everything for the Democrats, they got lucky, huh? How about that? Trump has been staging a major campaign in Minnesota. There are certain areas of Minnesota that have been Democratic strongholds that flipped for Trump, and the Democrats are scared. Trump has been setting up an office, has an office and campaigning, I believe. I don't know if it's an office, but he's been campaigning heavily in Minneapolis. Then all this happens. So very lucky, I guess, for Democrats. They say with, with the election less than five months away, there's a growing sense of urgency within the Trump campaign. It has recently taken steps to beef up its infrastructure, elevating longtime political advisor Bill Stepien and bringing on Jason Miller, a key figure on Trump's 2016 bid. The staff moves are intended to provide additional support to Parscale, who has been campaign manager since 2018. How much you want to bet? All of these cities are going to condemn Trump and say that these rallies are going to spread COVID. Then they're going to actively defend or have already defended Black Lives Matter. In the future, there will be some kind of different ideology the left will be pushing because their ideology seems to be amorphous. They moved from women as their principal identity group. Now, you know, black people, maybe Muslims. At a certain point, they will hit that impasse. They will have empowered the federal government to enact rules that shut them down. And that's when they'll cry, oh, no, oh, no, help, help. I'm being repressed. It's unfortunate. Have you seen the video or the photograph of the fist crushing the the Gadsden snake saying we will tread? Now, it's not literal fascism. It's authoritarian communism. But the funny thing is, a lot of people I know or a few of my friends I've talked to don't understand. It's literally saying they will seize your rights. We will tread. That's what it means. And they say, no, no, they're just trying to counter the white supremacists. And I'm like, the Gadsden flag is used by people across the board of all different ideologies saying, don't mess with me. I have my rights. If a fist is to crush that, they're basically saying they are going to seize your rights. Interestingly, 
the revolution fist that they use is rooted somewhat in, I, I believe, I believe uh, at least on a cursory reading, Spanish Civil War. These people seem to think that so long as you use the symbolism of revolutionary communists, you are just a plain old regular person who hates fascism. And that's, what, that's the propaganda they've used. Ideologues and Antifa types who have been taking over jurisdictions in various you know, cities and forming their little no-go zone type things, they will tell you that Antifa just means anti-fascist. That's the propaganda. And I've heard it you know, espoused by my friends saying, there's no such organization. And I'm like, dude, I can name them. I can show you videos of them organizing. They're literally seizing city blocks. Now, the reason they push this propaganda is because they don't want you to know the history of Antifa. I find it really funny that, uh, you know, we've seen all these people showing, you know, U-boats in World War II of World War II veterans, or at the time, soldiers, storming the beaches of Normandy saying, the original Antifa. It's like, uh, dude, the original Antifa was part of the German Communist Party. Uh, we were at war with Germany. <laughs> so it's really telling that they're saying the original anti-fascists were our soldiers when our soldiers were literally up against them. When the, when, when, when the Nazis fell, the Soviets, the communists took over East Germany and we were in a cold war for decades, for, a, for generations. No, no, but those were the original. No, no, I'm sorry. The people storming the, the, the American soldiers were, were those who would support the Gadsden flag and recognize freedom and liberty in the constitution. This country is built on reform, man. You want this? This is what you want. This is what you get with morality policing. Masked individuals who have no rules, no laws, no accountability, who will tell you what you can or can't do or else. And there is nothing you can do about it. They say getting rid of the police is about accountability or whatever. It's not. It will not breed accountability. It will do the opposite. Yes, I believe we need reform. This country is built on reform. We have reformed for 200 plus years, 250 years. All these reforms leading to where we are now, things are great. They could be better. But you want to send out a bunch of masked lunatics screaming in your face about how you're not allowed to be here because we said so. Well, your rights are going to be shut down. And to those that are asking for it, well, you'll reap what you have sown because they're going to scream and cry the moment it's turned on them. But I don't know what to tell you, man. These people are just too stupid to realize what's happening around them. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at TimCast.net. It is a different channel, and I will see you then. Hmm, I wonder what could be causing this. This story here from SF Gate. Wealthy buyers reportedly in, quote, mad rush to leave San Francisco. What could possibly be happening in San Francisco that causes a bunch of rich people to try and flee the city? If only we knew. Man, that's a tough one. In other news, San Francisco Police Chief Bill Scott open to defunding police department. Oh, <laughs> maybe that's it. Okay, there's a lot of reasons. The pandemic is one of them. I'm sure this plays a role. It could also just be that San Francisco is a cesspool with human waste littering the streets that's gotten so bad they actually have a poop department. Okay, you think I'm joking? I'm not. You know your town's got a fire department? Yeah. You know you got a police department? Sure. They have a poop department that literally just goes around to clean up human poop. That's San Francisco. No wonder people don't want to leave there. That sounds awful. <laughs> don't want to live there. They want to leave there. It sounds awful. But I want to talk about this, right? I'm willing to bet it is not necessarily an entirely white flight scenario, but it mostly is. 
And this is a perpetual cycle that's never going to change. You get riots and crime and the rich people leave and then they complain about it, but they complain if they move in too. You got gentrification, they got white flight. Yeah, no matter what happens, people are going to choose where they live and what they want their police to do. Call it privilege, call whatever you want. It's the way the world works. This is why they're all about socialism. The only way you actually stop this is with a boot on someone's face telling them where they can and cannot live and building government houses where you force them to live next to each other. Let's read this first story. SFGate reports, amid the depths of a global pandemic and financial downturn, the demand for real estate is unexpectedly rocketing in wealthy regions outside San Francisco, reports Bloomberg. Agents say that demand is soaring in affluent areas around the Bay Area, such as Napa, Marin, and further afield in Carmel, as people who have the means look to get away from the city. Meanwhile, the market in San Francisco and Alameda County is still well below where it was last year. And there it is. It's so obvious. They're fleeing to the suburbs again. It happens all the time, man. Look, these people probably have jobs in the Bay Area. They can't just walk away from. They also don't want to live in these cities directly because I don't know, there's been mass riots and bricks through windows and the escalation of violence and tension in the Bay Area has been rather dramatic. I mean, look, just a couple days ago, week or so ago, a white van pulled up, dude pulled out a rifle and fired at two cops and killed one of them. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to live in that city either. I don't blame them for wanting to leave. They say elsewhere, Lake Tahoe has also seen a surge in real estate interest. The prospect of living out of the city on an alpine lake while maintaining a career is appealing for a new generation of young buyers, as many tech companies have signaled that remote work may be the new norm for a long time. I've never seen the demand higher for Marin County real estate than when COVID-19 hit. Sotheby's Josh Burns told Bloomberg this week, as real estate agents see a surprising uptick in wealthy buyers leaving San Francisco. Let me just stress, they're not talking about because of the pandemic. They're talking about the riots. Come on. Why else are people immediately being like, please, I need to get out of this city. Oh, it's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, I lived in New York for a while and I left because I was like, I know what's going to happen in the next few years. And guess what? I was right. Now I guess real estate's going to start spiking in the suburbs. So if you live in the suburbs, your property is going to be worth a lot more. Let's read a little bit more. Agent Katrina Kell of, uh, of Compass warned her sellers not to expect much interest, much interest in their recent Mill Valley listing as the country moves through an economic crisis. To their surprise, the couple received 13 bids and the home went over the $1.7 million asking price for it. A lot, Kell told Bloomberg. Sotheby's agent Ginger Martin added, there's a mad rush to get out of the city. It's happening. (laughs) The cities are collapsing. It's happening in New York City, too. And Chicago is a wasteland. That's the next segment I got for you, man. What's going on in Chicago? It's going to make you laugh. Let's stick around. Let's keep reading. Meanwhile, the rental market in San Francisco has dropped significantly, with rates for one-bedroom apartments in the city dropping by 9.2% since January 2019 and hitting a three-year low. Buying a new home in an isolated haven in a nearby Bucolic County is not an option for lower income San Francisco residents, and some believe the trend is only exacerbating the wealth divide. This is an example of another way the most advantaged, the most affluent have isolated themselves from the latest crisis. Patrick Sharkey, a sociology professor at Princeton, told Bloomberg, it's a very small segment of the population that has another home that they can go off to. Whether this change in demand away from San Francisco and into the suburbs is short is a short lived reaction to the pandemic or a more permanent change remains to be seen. No, 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 no. Did you read the quote from the guy? He says, 
I've never seen demand higher the, uh, than when COVID-19 hit. So let's just talk about what that means. He's talking about right now, the demand is spiking. Demand was spiking when COVID-19 hit because people didn't want to be in cities. Then for a week, people went around burning down their cities. So um, maybe it's pretty obvious why people don't want to live here, especially when we get this story from Mission Local. San Francisco police chief Bill Scott opened to defunding the police department. Listen, man, at first sign that you got riots and poop everywhere and they're going to shut down your cops. Get out. Get out now. Man, if you live in Seattle, I don't know what's wrong with you. Okay, I'll tell you why this is dangerous, though. Think about what happens right now. You've got a mix of people in these cities. You got some blue people here, some red people here, some yellow people here. And I'm talking about their political affiliation, mind you. So libertarian, Democrat, Republican, and they're all intermingled. Mostly it's red and blue, right? All right. What happens when all the red people leave and even many of the wealthier blue people leave? All that's left for the most part are lower income, far leftist types. And now they're going to have the city. Now, the city will fall into collapse and disrepair, and maybe that will destroy their political momentum, or maybe it will hyper concentrate that political momentum because they'll start creating political parties that are insane. I guess, however, ultimately what will happen, think about it, if, if the far left is given you know, free reign of just a city, the city will collapse. It'll have no money left. Everyone with money will flee somewhere else. It's a big country. People will go and live literally in the middle of nowhere, like, I don't know, North Dakota or South Dakota or something. So they can try to take these cities. But I guess we're lucky enough to have a very, very large country where you, you, you might take control of a state and turn it into a wasteland. People can just leave. Let's read this story. They, he, uh, so Bill Scott says, I'm open to it. Monday night during a panel hosted by the Alice B. Talkless LGBT Democratic Club, that also included public defender Mano Raju, district attorney Chessie Boudin, and Sheriff Paul Miyamoto. We're at a time in policing in this country where the whole world is speaking to us and we need to hear what's being said. And what's being said is we have that ch- we have to change the way we do policing in this country. And I think that for me, I'm open to that. The chief who oversees a department with a $674 million budget and a force of 2,300 uh, officers, said if money is to be routed away from the department, it needs to be done thoughtfully. I know very tough decisions are going to be made in a hurry, he said, adding that it's going to take a lot of thought to put the pieces together to allow us to actually do this successfully. Defunding the police has become a common rallying cry as scores of people have taken to the streets in San Francisco and around the country in the wake of the police killing of George Floyd. So uh, we, we get all that. Listen, my friends. I lived in New York. I left. I moved to the Jersey side. It was still the New York Metro, but I was across the river. Yeah. Then somebody planted some bombs in Manhattan and some bombs in Jersey City. And I said, yeah, New York Metro is still New York Metro. So I left. And this was like two and a half years ago or three years ago. I was in New York five. Uh, oh, man, it's 2020. I was in New York four years ago. Wow. I was in New York. And then I moved out of, oh, no, 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 no. You know what? No, I wasn't. No, because I briefly moved to Miami. I was in New York in like 2014. I went down to Miami, came back up to the New Jersey area because I didn't want to be in the city. It's like one of the reasons I got out. Then I was in New Jersey and I moved a little bit further south. And it just, the problems just kept getting worse. And now I'm in like the Philadelphia suburbs. But even now we're seeing it get worse. Listen, there are people who have kids who live near me, a lot of kids and their schools. I see the kids walking to school every day. 
I have to imagine when the helicopters were flying over my house in the suburbs, these people, you know, their ears started to perk up thinking, what's going to happen to my family? Now, think about the people with money. They're going to dip out of these cities and they're going to take all that sweet, sweet tax revenue with them. They can't support the police. So he's talking about defunding the police. I'll tell you what, these things go hand in hand. You announce you want to defund the police. Rich people leave. Tax revenue goes down. You can't afford as many police. You defund more. And eventually your city is in a downward spiral of collapse. People start leaving. Then all that's left is a withered shell. I mean, New York in the 80s was like a hell zone. Apparently, I watched this crazy documentary about how Donald Trump saved New York City. I really mean it by creating like luxury luxury properties that attracted rich people to come in, which brought in more tax revenue the city could use to actually start fixing things up. The way it works is simple. Rich people are taxed at a higher percentage, but it's also a percentage of a larger amount of money. So if a rich person pays a million bucks a year, they don't need a million bucks to sustain that one city block. So they can take a large portion of it and send it over to the poor areas to lift up the poorer communities. That's how progressive tax works. When the rich people start leaving, now there's no money to fix anything, not even the block the rich person lived on. Now everyone's suffering, crime skyrockets, and it becomes, it becomes extremely dangerous. It becomes a place you don't want to live. And then the activists complain about it. They complain about the white flight and, and all this stuff. And there's really no solution. The only solution they can see is authoritarianism, because so long as people are free to get up and move and do whatever they want, you will keep having this. It's not the worst thing in the world for rich people to be in New York. But if you chase them out and scream at them and demonize them, then you lose the money they're paying into the system. They want more and more and more. It's never enough. Well, eventually you kill the goose that laid the golden egg. So guess what, San Fran? You get to have it. You get to have your cake and eat it too. The cops are going to be defunded and the rich people are gone. How about that? I hope you enjoy it. Be careful what you wish for. You might just get it. Now, the next segment coming up in a few minutes, the hell zone that is Chicago. You're going to love this, man. I mean, I, I say that somewhat facetiously. The phone call between the alderman and the, and, and, and the mayor devolves into cussing and swearing. That city is falling apart. Let's talk about Chicago, my hometown, coming up in just a few minutes. Phone calls leaked showing conversations between aldermen politicians in Chicago and the mayor show a foul-mouthed argument over looting. Quote, you're 100% full of S, mayor says. Now, many of you may not be familiar with the politics of Chicago, but in the city, we have something called an alderman. They're basically like neighborhood mayors, I guess is the easy way to explain it. I'm not, you know, we don't really care for the most part about, at least where I grew up, about who the alderman was. But they're like, you know, they're local politicians for different neighborhoods. Well, following the worst violence we have seen in a really long time, 60 years, aldermen were calling the mayor and they were on a conference call complaining. Some were crying and the mayor just starts cussing out one of these dudes when he was like, what am I supposed to do? People are apparently like commandeering buses. It was nuts in Chicago. Man, I tell you what, I am from this city. And I can only imagine the utter bedlam. Look at this photo. <laughs> it's a bike flying through a window. What is this? The BBC says Chicago saw its deadliest day in 60 years last month, with 18 killings in a 24-hour period on May 31st. The violence occurred as protests over George Floyd's death in Minneapolis also spurred rioting and looting in the Windy City. And I love how they're like, the rioting worked, guys. Dude, 18 people died. 
alongside these riots. 15 directly involved nationwide. So how many corpses did you have to climb over to get your ideological win? Congratulations, good sir. They say most of the victims were black. Thanks for including that BBC, because I don't think anyone really cares. The dead and injured include students, parents, middle-aged workers, according to the data published by the Chicago Sun-Times. We've never seen anything like it at all. Senior research director Max Capiston told the newspaper, noting that the crime lab's data only goes back as far as 1961. I don't even know how to put it in context, he said. It's beyond anything we've ever seen before. Mr. Capustin added that protest over Mr. Floyd's death in police custody may have distracted Chicago police resources from normal police duties. When CPD has to turn its attention elsewhere and there's suddenly this vacuum that opens up, you also unfortunately see a picture like you saw with the last weekend where you have an absurd amount of carnage, people getting injured and killed. The second deadliest day in the city's history was August 4th, 1991, when 13 people were killed. Check out whatever this is. These guys wearing masks. Let me tell you something, man. It's the purge. Please, please keep advocating for defunding the police departments and see how fast these cities collapse. I am no fan of Chicago PD, man. I'm sorry. I hate to say it. You know, I got I I have family who uh, my dad was a firefighter and I have I do not have good stories of what the Chicago PD are known for, known to be very, very crooked. I'll tell you what, though, I've had good experience and bad experiences. Most of my experiences with CPD have been bad. Some of them have been all right. I, I had a plainclothes cop, say, say, uh, plainclothes cop save me from a mugging like as it was happening. And I got a lot of respect for that. I've also had someone intentionally hit my vehicle and the police did everything to you know, help us out and take care of it. That's why I recognize, man, it's not so it's not so clear cut as to why or how things work. It's just people are people, you know. Well, now you got all these activists that have hyper focused on this problem. And, and, and I, I do believe there are problems. But defunding, like abolishing police is the extreme position that many of them are taking is uh, it's, it's insane. It's like you got a fly buzz, buzzing around. It's like imagine imagine there's a fly in your room and you're like, hey, there's a fly. It's annoying me. So then this activist pu- comes out with a shotgun. It's like boom, boom, trying to blast the fly. And you're like, dude, you're putting holes everywhere. That's what would happen if they abolish the police. Dude, we can deal with the fly. You know, you know we they have, they have you know, fly swatter, you whack it. They've complained reform doesn't work. No, reform is the only thing that ever actually did work in this country. We reformed endlessly. Like every year we do reforms. Well, take a look at what happens when an alderman, Raymond Lopez, calls out the mayor. They say as looters were ransacking businesses throughout the city more than a week ago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Alderman Raymond Lopez, one of her harshest critics, engaged in an angry and foul-mouthed argument over the city's handling of the violence. During a conference call with all 50 aldermen on May 31st to discuss the city's response to the looting, Lopez accused the mayor of being unprepared when looting spread from downtown to the neighborhoods that weekend. Looters pillaged shops throughout the city as peaceful protesters were taking to the streets on the last weekend in May in memory of George Floyd. The mayor had convinced Governor J.B. Pritzker to deploy 370, 375 members of the National Guard to support Chicago uh, on May 31st, primarily by helping restrict access to the loot. A source provided CBS2 with an audio from a conference call the mayor held with the alderman that day, in which Lopez said the mayor's office needed to come up with a better plan to protect the neighborhoods in the coming days. He said, when downtown is in lockdown, our neighborhoods are next and our failure to fully get ready for what was going on in the neighborhoods. We're seeing this destruction and we're thinking that it's going to somehow end tonight. We have seen where in other cities this has gone on for days and we need to come up with a better plan for days. 
at least for the next five days to try and stabilize our communities, Lopez said. We can't expect our police, and I don't fault them at all, to be able to control this. He said, half our neighborhoods are already obliterated. It's too late. Lopez said he feared looters would eventually start targeting homes after ransacking businesses. Once they're done looting and rioting, and whatever's going to happen tonight, God help us. What happens when they start going after residents, going into the neighborhoods, once they start trying to break down people's doors, if they think they've got something? We know that people are here to antagonize and incite, and you've got them all pumped tonight. They're not going to go to bed at eight o'clock. They're going to turn their focus on the neighborhoods. I've got gangbangers with AK-47s walking around right now, just waiting to settle some scores. What are we going to do? And what, are we, what, what do we tell residents other than good faith people to stand up? It's not going to be enough. And you know what? He was right because 18 people died that night. And you know what the response he got from the mayor was? You're full of S. That's what she said. When Lopez finished talking on the conference call, Lightfoot declined to respond and tried to move on to another alderman. Lopez demanded an answer. It's not something you ignore. This is a question that I have. That's when the call turned profane. I think you're 100% full of S is what I think Lightfoot said. Lopez was infuriated. F you. Then who are you going <laughs> to, who are you to tell me I'm full of S? He said, maybe you should come out and see what's going on. Lopez was right. 18 people dead in one of the most deadly and violent days in Chicago history. And that's the response Lori Lightfoot had to the guy who was right, who said gangbangers walking around with AK-47s want to settle some scores. And what did she do about it? Nothing. She just told him basically to F off. Incredible leadership from our politicians, huh? This is why I do not want to be in Chicago. I left Chicago a long time ago. That place is trash. I'm sorry, man. I hate to say it. They got good food, though. If there's one thing Chicago does right, it's food. They got the taste of Chicago. They got some really famous restaurants in the city. It's rather impressive. And uh, it's about the only thing they really do have. The city is corrupt. It, it, it is corrupt. It is dangerous. And these are the politicians that, that we deserve. That's what the city gets. They keep voting for the same people over and over again. False promises and chaos ensues. And they never actually deal with what's going on and why these problems exist. Now, I'm not going to pretend like I know how to solve these problems. I can tell you this, Lori Lightfoot, didn't she like go and get a haircut after she ordered everyone locked down? It's, yeah, it's the politicians we deserve, unfortunately. Check this out. The mayor then vehemently denied protecting downtown at the expense of the neighborhoods. If you think we're not ready and we stood by and let the neighborhoods go up, there's nothing intelligent that I could say to you. That is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. I understand you want to preen. Mayor, you need to check your effing attitude. That's what you need to do. At that point, several other aldermen interjected in an effort to calm nerves with one alderman telling Lopez, Ray, cut it out, please calm down, please. No, Ray. No. Nah, man, I, I get it. That was not the appropriate response from the mayor to a dude who said, my, my, my people are in danger with people walking around with AK-47s, gangbangers. I'm, I'm disgusted by Chicago, man. He did not swear at her. He asked her a legitimate question. What are we going to do? They're locking down downtown. It's going to push people into our neighborhoods. What are you going to do about it? And she said, you're full of it. I hate Chicago, man. I'm sorry, dude. There's a lot of really great people there. There's a lot of really great businesses there. There's a lot of really great parts of Chicago. I get it. But that, that city, in my mind, I grew up there, is just, is, it, it is just, man, I don't even know how to describe it. 
I want to. I, want, I, I have some very, very harsh words to say about that place, but corrupt doesn't even be, begin to describe the slime that is coated over this city. You know, they operate what's called a black site. The police have basically kidnapped people. I, I'm not even kidding you. There were protests that happened in 2012. A bunch of activists disappeared for 10 days. Just gone. Yeah. The city is corrupt, man. And I've dealt with it firsthand. And that's why I don't want to go back. And that's how they deal with this. That's what the mayor has to offer to people who are begging for help as they watch their communities destroyed. So don't be surprised if we see Chicago, you know, fizzle out next or whatever. Mass exodus from New York City, from San Francisco. People are leaving the cities, man, especially with COVID and now the rioting. They're getting out of they're getting out of everywhere. I know people who live in Chicago and and Lopez was right about them going to the neighborhoods, but it went beyond what he realized. They went to the suburbs, man. Listen, from downtown to where I grew up was only like maybe six or seven miles. You could walk down the street and you could you could make that walk in a couple hours. You could take the train, the orange line train, and you could be there within 20, 30 minutes down to the, you know, the southwest side of the city. You can take the red line down to the south side. Yeah, when things locked down in, in, in the loop, people then started going out to the suburbs. But we also heard that people were pushing out in, uh, I'm sorry, to the neighborhoods, but they were also pushing out in the suburbs. And that's when it gets freaky. They can't contain this. You know, it, the next time this happens, it's going to be worse. And they're talking about defunding the police. If that actually happens, then you know what, man, I have no sympathy for you if you stay in the cities. Now, now I, I do have sympathy for people who can't leave. Not everybody can just up and go. But at a certain point, you have a responsibility to take whatever you can and find whatever you can and just get out in any way possible. I don't know, man. I really don't. But Chicago is a wasteland. I got one more segment coming up for you in a few minutes. Stick around. I'll see you all then. Well, I got good news, everybody. Criticizing Black Lives Matter is now a fireable offense, at least according to MTV, who fired Dean Nguyen from the challenge after feuding with cast members about Black Lives Matter movement. Now, to be fair, right, she was basically bickering online and she said she was in support of the movement, but was criticizing them kind of like, you know, because it's pandery, like they're pandering to everybody and just trying to put on you know, like a virtue signal. She was accused, I guess, of using this to create some kind of cast drama, but MTV wasn't having any of it. They fired her specifically for what, what did they say? Offensive comments about Black Lives Matter. Well, welcome to the Inquisition, my friends. They will strip you of your income and your resources. Your company will fire you in two seconds if you say naughty words. Now, they like to say that censorship and bias is only really on private platforms and freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequence. Dude, it's one thing to say something horrifically racist and to support, like, I don't know, Nazis or something. It's another thing to be like, I am critical of your virtue signal. I do not believe in your movement. Now that is where we start getting on that roller coaster ride. And I hope you're ready because we got that chain clink going clink, clink, clink as we come to the top and we're going to go wee all the way down. And you're going to love it, right? No, it's going to be miserable and everybody's going to hate it. Now, I don't care to actually read through this stupid reality TV drama nonsense, but we do have a, a, a nice <laughs> quote here from MTV. As a result of Dean Nguyen's offensive comments on the Black Lives Matter movement, we have severed ties with her. A statement posted to the official Challenge Twitter account reads, out of respect for our challengers, we'll air our season as planned. We strongly condemn systemic racism and stand with those raising their voices against injustice. Oh, heavens, Dean Nguyen, she's Asian, not even white. That's where we're headed. Identitarianism, man. 
we are, we are uh, uh, what was it? The path to hell is paved with good intentions, right? I always imagine this beautiful yellow brick road that we're skipping down all happy and gleeful, like, yay, we're going to make the world better. And you're actually entering the gates of hell. So it's not just this one woman who lost her job. The Inquisition is expanding. And it's hilarious. This story, you're going to love this story. This lady's so dumb. Suspended NYT food columnist Allison Roman is accused of wearing offensive Chola Halloween costume in 2008, but she claims she was dressed as Amy Winehouse. First of all, shut up. You're clearly dressed in a, in, in a Chola costume, dude. No one's going to buy your Amy Winehouse nonsense. But more importantly, why are you trying to ex- make an excuse anyway? Just tell them to shut up. Look at this. So here's a photo of her. She's just got hoop earrings. I don't even know why it's supposed to be offensive. She got a chest tattoo. I guess it's fake. She tried claiming that she was supposed to be Amy Winehouse. Oh, please, dude. You're not Amy Winehouse. Nobody's going to buy that. She's losing her job. What did she, what, did she resign or whatever? What did they say? Uh, suspended. We'll see what happens. What, uh, here's what they say. The cookbook author, 34, last month faced backlash over her comments on Chrissy Teigen and Mary Kondo, which resulted in her column being pulled. Now, journalist Yasher Ali has shared images of Roman from her old MySpace account. You know what, man? I normally like Yasher. I do not believe he should, he should, he should have shared this photo. This is so stupid. But it, it's not even about this, man. It, it's not even about this one person. Okay, this story is dumb. Cancel culture is dumb, but it's getting worse. Man, I tell you what, start your own companies right now. Maybe this is a blessing in disguise. All the rioting, blessing in disguise. COVID, blessing in disguise. Cancel culture, blessing in disguise. Let me tell you why. Because now people have no choice but to get off their high horse and start fending for themselves and focusing on personal responsibility. Oh, what's that? People are rioting in your town. Maybe you need to go and buy a gun to defend yourself. Maybe you need to take some training courses and understand why you have that right in the first place. I've certainly had that wake up call, right? Maybe now you'll start defending the First Amendment as you see people start getting their jobs purged. Maybe now you'll need to start your own business and stop relying on major corporations that bend over backwards for freaky ideologues who screech nonstop and nothing will ever be enough for them. Maybe it's about time you leave the cities and stop living on top of other, you know, in a cubicle stacked on top of the stacked on top of other people in a place that smells like sour milk. All of these things that are happening are bad. But if people in this country start taking responsibility for themselves, starting their own companies and finding ways to make money for themselves, start relying on themselves for their own defense, taking responsibility for their life, for their family, for their resources, maybe that'll be a good thing. It's like they say, you know, hard times make strong people. Maybe we needed just a little bit of hard times. Now, I'm not one to ever advocate for that because I think we want to continually make better times. But eventually things fall apart. And the worst case scenario is, yes, bad things happen. We don't want them to. And that sucks. That's why we want to avoid this at all costs because people are losing their lives. But at least at the end of it, we'll be stronger and better off for it, at least to a certain degree. Well, if you thought it ended here, let me show you how it gets incredibly stupider. Here we go, baby. Brad Pitt's rumored girlfriend, Alia Shawkat, is blasted for using the N-word while quoting Drake in a resurfaced 2016 video, as the actress admits she is ashamed and embarrassed in online apology. She was quoting rap lyrics from a song. Listen, man, stop apologizing. If you did something wrong, apologize for it. If you did nothing wrong, don't apologize for it. So if you're not familiar, Alia Shawkat, she was from Arrested Development. I guess now the rumor is that she's uh, dating Brad Pitt. Here's what they say. A fan of actress Sky Jackson, who has lately been exposing racists on Twitter, tweeted the clip on June 5th. 
in it, Shawkat is telling a story when she quotes the Drake lyric. We were all at the penthouse together and everyone was looking like the N word. We made it. The clip has been viewed about 20,000 times, but it clearly caught Shawkat's attention. I am deeply sorry and I take full responsibility for quoting a song. Shut up, dude. That's so pathetic. These people are pathetic, man. I don't care. You want to you cancel me? Whatever, fine. You know what my problem is right now with everything that's happening? I'm talking to the YouTube people and I'm like, you can't tell me what the rules are, can you? Because you don't know either. You said we have to follow WHO guidelines. Well, the WHO flipped their guidelines like seven times in 10 minutes. So you want to tell me what I'm supposed to do? Sorry, man. I got no idea. So you know what? I'm just going to do whatever. I'm just going to talk about whatever. And eventually, I can only assume they'll try to cancel me. And YouTube will be like, we're so sorry that Tim Pool was so insensitive in criticizing the Black Lives Matter movement. And I'm going to be like, don't care. Bye-bye. I got a van. I'm going to go take it down by the river and go fishing. And y'all can have this. Within reason, you know, listen, if you want to come and tread on me like the Viper, I will strike back. Or you can just leave me alone and let me do my thing. But they don't want to. They've, they've changed the flag, and now it's a fist crushing the snake saying, we will tread. Us civil libertarian types, us American individuals, just want to be left alone to pursue life and liberty and happiness. But they, they don't want to allow that. They say that we owe them something, that they deserve things. They're entitled. No, you're not entitled to anything, man. You're entitled to what you can build. And I, and I personally recognize historical inequity and inequality and racism and all that stuff. But that doesn't excuse bad behavior, and it doesn't mean you get to take from someone else. It means maybe we can work together and try and solve these problems. But when you get violent and attack people and create an authoritarian, nonsense, moralistic culture, I don't have anything to do with it. You lose all goodwill. These people are getting freaky, these weird apologies. It's so dumb. You'll get fired if you don't. Refinery29 editor resigns after former employees describe toxic culture. You know why Alia Shawkat apologized? Not like I think she's doing a whole lot of acting these days. I don't know what she's really been into. I think she did something recently. She doesn't want to lose her career. She's scared. That's pathetic, in my opinion. Lose your career. Dude, if you can't stand up for principles, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. Isn't that the lyric? And this is what these people do. They don't stand for anything. They say, I'm sorry, please, please, please don't hurt me. Yeah, well, you know what, man? We need an inversion of this. We need, to, we need people to get fired for, for refusing to stand up for what they believe in, for being pathetic and spineless. And I don't really mean that, honestly. I think people just, just shut up. Just tell them to go away. If you lose your job, well, too bad, okay? You, what you need to understand about these companies is that it's very, very difficult to replace people. So if someone comes to you and tries to take your job, quit. If your boss comes to you and says, you can't say these things, I quit. Sorry. I did it. That's just me, though. I guess because I'm confident in myself. Some people might say, well, you don't have a family. Oh, okay, that's fair, maybe. If you got kids, you're, you're going to do what you got to do for your kids. For me, when I worked for this company and they said, we want to do this woke nonsense, I was like, nah. And they were like, okay. And then, I did, and then it was basically golden handcuffs. But we got more. This is where it gets good. Police only make me feel safe because of my white privilege, says Natalie Portman. She reveals she supports the defund the police movement and says her black friends feel terror at the hands of cops. What? <laughs> you know what, man? These people deserve all this stuff, you know? She, Natalie said the Minneapolis, uh, in, that Minneapolis uh, is one of the most progressive police forces in the country and has undergone anti-bias training. She recommends reducing police budgets and power and investing that money directly into poor communities of color through public services. Yes, I have no problem with investing in poor communities. 
I do have a problem with doing it based on race, because I grew up in an area where we had poor people of all races. If you think that uh, uh, that historical racism disproportionately leaves minorities impoverished, then a class based approach will help everyone. But these people have gone nuts. They don't care about you. They just don't want to lose their jobs. Natalie Portman is like super rich. What's her net worth? Probably in the hundreds of millions. So do you, are we really going to believe that she cares about this stuff? Dude, she's going to have layer, she's going she's to have eight layers of armed guards defending her as she sits in her like her throne made of ivory or whatever nonsense. She's going to do whatever she wants. Meanwhile, she's going to defund the cops you need. Rich people can, can afford private security. But anyway, check out all of the Inquisition. Isn't it fun? I told you it'd be fun. It'll get more fun. They're going to start firing everybody. You're going to lose your job. You're going to tweet something offensive and they'll come for you. And you know what's going to happen? Donald Trump will win in a landslide. I guess we'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out. And I'll see you all next time.